Thank you. If you're turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, this is one of those familiar passages that we often turn to during the Christmas season, Matthew chapter 1. And this is the visit of the angel to Joseph, 18 through 25, Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18 and reading through the end of the chapter. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. But he kept her a virgin until, they, until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Again, that is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we ask your blessing upon us now as we look again at this familiar story, this part of your word. And we pray that you would teach us some new things from it and help us to see again the wonder and the significance, not just of Jesus' birth, but of what it means to us and how it applies to us and the difference it makes to us. We ask it all in, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for believers, there really is something special about the name of Jesus. His name is endearing to us. It arouses our emotions. And it draws out our affections. The name of Jesus, as you know, is one of the most common subjects in many of our hymns and songs. Even the hymns and songs outside of our Christmas carols. Many of our traditional hymns are hymns about the name of Jesus. Hymns such as, Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then, where'er you go. Precious name, oh how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. It's also the subject of many of the more contemporary songs. You know, the Gaithers wrote one that says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms may all pass away, but there is something about that name. 
those words, those songs and hymns and many others, remind us of just how precious and just how special the name of Jesus is to those of us who know him and to those of us who love him. And as we talked about for a bit in Sunday school, this isn't in my notes, I'm on an aside now. Always dangerous when you kind of get off on an aside. But, but that line of demarcation is becoming more and more distinct in our world, isn't it? In our culture. Between those who love Jesus and those who don't. Those who know him and those who don't. Talk about a war on Christmas. Heard about the war on Christmas? It's not a war on Christmas, is it? It's a war on what? It's a war on who? It's a war on Jesus. Trying to eliminate the name of Christ from the public arena. Trying to remove the name of Christ. And if you remove Christ from Christmas, folks, you don't have Christmas anymore. If you remove Christ from Christianity, you don't have Christianity anymore. You need to understand, that's what the battle is about. That's the war. It's not a war on Christmas. It's a war on Christ. And and those of us who know him and those of us who love him hold his name dear. And it's an offense to us, isn't it? It's an offense to us for people to take the name of Christ out of the observance of the Christmas season. Now I'll get back to my sermon. You know, when you, when you think about Christmas, and you think about the birth of Christ, there are lots of different things that come to your mind. You know, there's a stable and a manger. There's a, a star and some angels. There are shepherds and there are wise men. So much to take in, so much to ponder, so much to consider when you think about the birth of Jesus. This morning I want to think about one thing in particular, and that is Jesus' name. Because more than any other text related to the birth of Christ, it is this text that addresses his name. You know, part of the fun of having a baby, or part of the difficulty, depending on your perspective is trying to come up with a name. Now, for some people, that's easy because they choose a family name, you know, name of the child for a parent or for a grandparent or a combination of names within the family. For others, it's more difficult and parents-to-be spend hours pouring through uh, books of names trying to find one or they negotiate between what might uh, appeal to one or to the other. Naming a baby is a big decision, you know. After all, that baby's going to carry that name for the rest of his life. And you know what, what's cute when the, it's a baby might not be so cute when the, he or she is 40. But you can tell it's, a, it's an important decision because there are two questions people ask when a baby's born. First question is, and usually this isn't a surprise anymore, but it was when our children were born, is it a boy or a girl? That's the first question. And the second question is what? What's the baby's name? Jesus, our Savior, was given a name. He was given a name. Now, our names are, for the most part, labels, aren't they? 
they're just kind of a tag on us that people use to get our attention, to address us, to call on us. Our names really don't say anything about us, except our family. Don't say who we are, what we're like, what our character is. But the name of Jesus is different because his name does mean something. His name does identify his character. Says something about him as a person. Describes his purpose in life. And that's part of why his name is precious. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. Because it's the name of Jesus that tells us something about who he is. And that's what I want to talk about this morning from this text. Two, two things. I really want to try to answer two questions from this text. And the first is, how did Joseph come to know about this special baby? You're all familiar, as I've said already, you're all familiar, I'm sure, with a story from Matthew chapter 1. Joseph was betrothed to Mary today, we would say they were engaged, but, but the betrothal was a much more serious matter then than our engagement is today. The only way to end a betrothal was to go through a legal process similar to our divorce proceedings today. But it was during that time when they were betrothed, committed to each other to be wed, that Joseph became aware that Mary was expecting a baby. Joseph knew that he was not the father. And that put him in quite a quandary. As he decided what the best thing to do was with Mary and with their relationship. The Bible makes it clear that Joseph was a righteous man. And because he was a righteous man, he wanted to do the right thing. He did not want to put Mary through any public Humiliation. He did not want to disgrace her publicly. He did not want to damage her reputation. The only conclusion to which Joseph could come was that Mary somehow had been unfaithful to him. And he realized that their relationship could not continue because of this violation of trust and of their commitment to each other. And so Joseph was struggling with what to do and how to handle this difficult situation. It was while he was struggling with it that he had a visitor. It was a very special visitor. He had a visit from an angel. It's very interesting to notice in the Bible how active the angels were in and around the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, it was, a, it was a, an angel that appeared to Zacharias to tell him that his wife Elizabeth was going to have a son even though she was beyond the normal years of childbearing and that he would name that son John and that his son would be the forerunner of the Messiah. It was an angel that appeared to Mary to tell her she was blessed among women and that she was God's choice to be the vehicle through which his son would be born was as we see in our text this morning an angel that appeared to Joseph to tell him 
about this special child that Mary was carrying. And it was an angel that appeared to the shepherds to tell them that Jesus had been born and to tell them what to do about that. Angels were very, very active. And the angel's activity points us to the fact that, you know, something supernatural is taking place here. This is, when we talk about God things today, this is a real God thing, isn't it? This is a miracle baby that Mary is carrying. That's the message that the angel came to bring to Joseph. To tell him that this was a special child had been conceived in her by a special means. And so while Joseph was making his plans about ending this relationship with Mary to put her away secretly, as the text tells us, the angel came to him and said, don't do that. The angel told him, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Wasn't that an interesting way to put it? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And it's clear that fear was one of the things that was driving Joseph's decision. Because that's the very emotion that the angel appeals to. Do not be afraid. What was he afraid of? Well, he was afraid of the public scorn and disgrace. Uh, afraid of Mary's real character that might have been hidden from him. Afraid of being betrayed and hurt again. He had fear. And so the angel comes to him and says, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Go ahead and marry her. She has done nothing wrong. The baby she is carrying is of the Holy Spirit. This is one of those times in the Bible, and there are lots of them, where you kind of have to put yourself back in the situation as best you can. You put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Here he is, a man who has been going through a very, very difficult emotional experience, finding out some really devastating news about his betrothed, struggling as a righteous man to make the right decision and to do the right thing. Here he's kind of come to a sense of peace about it. I think you find that in the text. He said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But here an angel comes and says, don't do it that way. Go ahead and take her as your wife. And so, so Joseph's mind must have been reeling. What did this mean? How can it be? What should he do? Well, not only was Joseph a righteous man, he was also clearly a man of great faith. No indication in the text that he questioned the angel, argued with the angel, tried to oppose the angel. In fact, just the opposite is, is clear in the text. What did Joseph do? He did exactly what the angel says. Verse 24, that Joseph awoke from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife. Joseph obediently did what the angel said. Now, I don't think for a moment that Joseph understood it all. 
I don't think after this visit from the angel, Joseph got it. He didn't get all the ramifications of what it was going to mean for Mary to be the mother of this special child. And what that would involve for him and for her and for them and for this child and his life and and all that would unfold. I don't think Joseph understood that a bit. And yet, what did Joseph do? He did exactly as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Today we would say that Joseph took a step of faith. Wouldn't we? Joseph lived by faith. Even though he was looking through a class darkly, he went ahead and did what the angel of the Lord told him. And there's a lesson in there for us, isn't there? Sometimes we're called on to do the same thing. Certainly not in the same way under the same circumstances, but sometimes we are just called on to live by faith. Because we too see through a glass darkly and we don't understand everything about a particular situation or circumstance. And yet God says in his word, you need to do this. You need to go here. You need to do that. And living by faith is doing it. Even though we might not understand all the ramifications, all the complexities, all the reasons, it's moving out in faith, trusting in God, and obeying what His Word tells us to do. That's what Joseph did. And if there's a lesson to be learned from Joseph, you know, Joseph is kind of down on the totem pole, isn't he, of Christmas figures. We don't learn much about Joseph. But boy, we learn a real lesson about being a real person who lives by faith, who trusts God, and who does what God says, regardless. That's what we find from Joseph in this text. But then, in the, the, the second question is, how did Joseph know what to name this child? And what is significant about the child's name? Not only did the angel tell Joseph the way in which the child had been conceived, he also did go on to tell Joseph what the baby was to be named. Joseph had it easy. He didn't have to pick a a parent or a grandparent to name the baby from. He didn't have to pour over a, a, a baby name book. Didn't have to negotiate. <laughs> the angel made it clear. And he said it. You shall. You shall call his name Jesus. His name has great significance. And really there are are two names here. The first is Jesus that we find in verse 21. And the other is Emmanuel that we find in verse 23. The angel said to Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus. And he went on to tell him why. Why that name? And the reason is found in verse 21. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
the name Jesus is the equivalent of the Old Testament name Joshua, which literally means Jehovah saves or the Lord saves. The name Jesus means Savior. And that's why he was given that name. It's because that is what he came to do. You shall name him Jesus, the angel said, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus' name is a reflection of the purpose for which God sent him. God sent his son so that his people would be saved through him. That is why Jesus came. He came to save. If you don't get anything else out of Christmas this year, you please get that. Jesus came to save. Oh, he did lots of other things. He taught and he performed miracles and he showed acts of mercy and kindness. But all of that is subsidiary to the purpose for which God sent him. Jesus came to save. And the birth of Christ, folks, really means little. And the manger is of little significance. If you divorce it or separate it from the crucifixion, The whole focus of Jesus' life, his birth, his life, his ministry, was directed toward the cross. There's a direct link between the incarnation and the crucifixion. You see, Jesus was born to die. He was born in a stable to die on the cross. He came as a baby to die as a Savior. He came in humility to return to heaven in glory. The most important thing is what this message of this angel to Joseph means to you. Name him Jesus, call him Jesus. For he will save. He will save his people. He will save you from your sin. What does that mean? That Jesus is the Savior or that Jesus saves you from your sin? Well, it means that Jesus saves you from the guilt of your sin. You're guilty because of your sin. And your guilt weighs you down. It's a burden you carry around with you. And and Christ Jesus, in his death, saved you from that guilt by washing your sin away. He saves you from the penalty of sin. You know what the penalty of your sin is, don't you? The wages of sin is death. And Jesus sets you free from that penalty by taking that penalty upon himself. And Jesus saves you from the power of sin. Setting you free. Setting you free from the power of sin in your life. That you might live a life of holiness and obedience unto the Lord. And notice again the assurance with which the angel says it. He didn't say he might save his people or he'll save some of his people. He could save his people. He says he will. 
He will save his people from their sins. Even before his birth, the angel spoke with confidence about what Jesus would do. All those for whom Jesus died will be saved. Your salvation is based upon who Jesus is and what Jesus did. He is the Savior, and he came to save. Earlier I uh, quoted from that hymn that talks about the precious name of Jesus. Precious name. Oh, how sweet. And you know why the name of Jesus is so precious to his people? It's because that name is what reminds you that your sin, your sin, can be forgiven. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It doesn't matter what that sin is. It doesn't matter how great that sin might be. It doesn't matter how ashamed you might be of that sin. How embarrassed you are because of it. It doesn't matter what that sin is. Jesus' blood Jesus came to save. Do you understand that? He came to save you. And to save you from your sin means He sets you free again from the guilt and the penalty and the power of it. You see, the name of Jesus does for us something that money cannot buy, that our hands cannot accomplish, that our works cannot achieve. That's why we sing Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. There is, folks, no other name, no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. That's why his name is so special and so precious. His name is Jesus because he saves. The other name is Emmanuel. And it's in verse 23. It's really kind of an explanatory note. Behold the virgin, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. You see, this didn't just happen. This is all part of God's eternal plan. It was prophesied long ago by the prophets. All this took place, verse 22, through the, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. The virgin shall be with child, shall be our son, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Boy, if the name of Jesus is precious, how precious this name Emmanuel God with us you see that's what we believe about Jesus it's what the Bible teaches us about Jesus Jesus is God in the flesh John tells us in John 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God and the word what? became flesh and 
dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation is God becoming man and dwelling among us. He tabernacled among us. You know the significance of the tabernacle in the Old Testament? The tabernacle was the the representation of God's presence among His people. If they had any doubt if God was with them, where did they look? They had to look to the tabernacle because there was the Shekinah glory. Glowing with the glory of the presence of God. God is here. God is among us. That's what the tabernacle meant. And in that verse from John 1, 14, when it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, guess what the, guess what the word really is? It's the word tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. He took on human flesh that in Him we might see what? The glory of God shining brightly and the presence of Christ is God's promise to be with us forever. You say, well, Jesus isn't here anymore. Jesus died on the cross. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. How is He with us now? You know how He's with us. He's with us by the presence of the Holy Spirit. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. I'll send to you the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. And then right before Jesus ascended into heaven, He said, Lo, I am what? With you always. Jesus is your constant companion by means of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He is here. And He's not just here in an abstract way. He is here in reality. Here in your life. He lives in you by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if you believe and trust in Jesus this morning, you have His presence in you. So we call ourselves the body of Christ because Christ is here among us, in us. It's what makes the church so special. God is here through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. And what that means for you is it doesn't matter where you are in life or what you're going through in life. how lonely you might feel in life. If you trust in Jesus, you are never alone. He is always with you and in you. I was talking with someone yesterday who was going through a very dark time. That person is not alone. Because no matter how dark it may be, the light of Christ is always there. Sometimes it's so dark we can't see it. Sometimes we're so alone we can't feel His presence. But we must live by faith and claim it and know, yes, His word is true. 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you see how special, how precious the name of Jesus is? It is precious to those of us who love him. We sing a chorus sometimes. It's Jesus, name above all names, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord, Emmanuel, God is with us, blessed Redeemer, living Word. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your precious Word that gives us the precious name of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, impress that truth upon our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.